Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I knew I could count on my own family to support me. I knew they wouldn't reject me. I'm very lucky that way. I knew it would not be a problem at all. But I just couldn't risk for her. And she didn't ask me to keep that secret. I just sort of assumed she didn't, I just didn't want her to be outed. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. And today I have a very exciting guest for us on our next episode of season seven. But first, I just want to say thank you to all of our loyal listeners and anyone new that's out there that has just found us. If you're not already following us on social media, please do so. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. And then please be sure to rate, review, subscribe on Spotify, on Apple, or wherever you get your podcast fixed. Uh, I've Been Better is a storytelling podcast that shares real stories from real people, and we are very excited to get into it today with one of my favorite colleagues and people, and I'm very excited that I've gotten to see her two days in a row per this recording, so very exciting. On today's episode, y'all will get to hear from my colleague, Christy Ashton. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Yes, we're so glad to have you. She is chilling so hard right now, y'all. In our new pod loft, we've got this massive beanbag chair that she is just straight lounging in. It's a great setup. But let me share a little bit more about Christy with you guys before we jump into it. So Christy and I work in the same field. She is a mental health PA and she helps prescribe medication to people in the mental health field. Christy went to the University of Florida and NC State, whoop, whoop, go Wolfpack for undergrad. And then she went back to graduate school at Campbell for PA school. And she was the oldest individual in her class and graduated at age 47, which I think is pretty incredible. She is the mom to two adult men, we will say, and then a mother to Gracie, who is our little office mutt, who we are obsessed with. And due to COVID, I don't get to see very often anymore, but she is a hoot. She's also preparing to be a grandmother. And Christy is just a whole lot of fun. She is our resident chef at our office, and we always go to her for recipes, whether it's a mocktail or a dessert or a soup or a meal, and we really do miss getting to work together. So I'm so excited that I get to see you in person literally both days this weekend. So welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. That was a beautiful introduction. Well, it's all true. I'm very happy to be here. I have to say, uh, I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but the first... mm, few weeks that I met you, I was, I'm always very slow to get to know people, kind of hesitant. But we had a party. Yeah. And you were there, very new to us. And I was still hesitant, kind of checking out, see what kind of person you were going to be. And you promptly did the worm. Oh, my God, I did. <laughs> Won me over. That no, was it's it. done. That's it's all sold. it took. Yeah. That's so funny. I hadn't even thought about that party in years since you said that. So, what was that, 2018, 19, 19? It was right before Nick left. 19, I think. Yeah, yeah. that was so fun. Oh my God, I remember that. You instantly won me over. That was it. (laughs) What was meant to be. I think you're right though. Like when you go into a new space, especially in the mental health field, there's just like different types of people that are in our field, right? You have to sort of feel out, are they going to be like the people I can curse around and have really dark humor with? Or are these going to be the more uh, just like straight edged people? you know, in the office. And I think I definitely gravitated towards like you and Chelsea, our old coworker, like very easily, which was a lot of fun. It really was fun. Yeah. Miss well, her. I know. Yeah. Chelsea, if you're ever listening to this, we miss you. And Nick, we miss you both. But y'all, it's so fun for me because again, being a clinician in the mental health field, I get to listen to people's stories all day long, every day. And then I have these amazing colleagues that I work with that I don't think have the opportunity enough to like share about themselves. So we've had Bryce on here before, you know, I've had Kristen on here before. I've had these other amazing colleagues and Taylor and these other people that I've gotten to work with in this area. And so I'm really excited to have Christy on as well, because she's been someone in the background that we've been like, knock, knock, Christy, you gotta come be on this, uh, this podcast with us. So I'm really glad that you decided to come. Yeah. I'm so glad to be able to share this particular story too. I, have um, really considered how much to share and with whom and bits have come out over time. So it feels like this is going to be kind of a therapeutic session for me. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. It'll be fun too, though. Like Bryce said, have I turned my therapy voice on, you think? Or do you think I'm just being myself? I, maybe it's the microphones. It always sounds like a... 
a podcast a little bit voice. more therapy or yeah. we have more podcasty voice i'll yeah. take it yeah. that's a good thing um well christy tell us a little bit more about yourself other than what i've already said so do you want me to start in on the story already or nope. a little more okay so just about me i am one of two daughters in my family very close to my sister we have lots and lots of fun together I have lots of cousins that I grew up with. Um, those are mostly on my mom's side. She had a really large family, and I consider them to be more like siblings than than cousins, but there are lots of them, and we just have a blast together. Super fun. So I spend a lot of time with those folks, and my own sons are now grown, but I thoroughly enjoy spending time with them couple of things that I enjoy, things like hobbies. I love sports. I love all sports. Go Wolfpack, go Gators. I also like to participate in sports. I do triathlons. I I run. I cycle. I like to be outdoors. Anything I can do outside, I really enjoy. So that's how I spend end up spending most of my my time is and with Gracie and with Gracie yes yeah y'all have seen pictures of Jazz just envision which we'll put a picture of Gracie up too but like envision Jasmine with gray scraggly hair but like the same size dog Gracie looks like Toto yes just a little lighter skinned or Benji yes oh my god so cute and she so y'all again Christy mentioning how we first got to meet each other working together so Gracie was the office dog and so you'd come into work every day and you would just hear her little collar and you're like where's Gracie you could hear her running around the office somewhere I mean we would have clients that literally beg to see Gracie your patients definitely like like little therapy dog oh yeah she's very reassuring well and Gracie's great too because she doesn't shed she doesn't shed she doesn't bark yeah She's wonderful. Um, yeah, and you're such a runner. You were literally just helping out at our local race today, our local marathon here in Raleigh today, not running, but helping volunteer. True that. I I was scheduled to run the Richmond Marathon next weekend, but I ran a little too much over the past few months and got injured. Way so to go. I, was, I know. So I was volunteering for the City of Oaks Marathon this morning and got to sort of be a part and be in the atmosphere even though I wasn't able to run. It was it yeah. was very fun. And just to see all the different levels of runners from the winner all the way to the person at the very back are yeah. just really fun. Yeah. Is there, as as a runner for yourself, I, I can imagine maybe you can speak to this because I am not a runner. Do you feel some type of way when you get to go be at a race, but you don't get to run? I do. I mean, I... I I just like the atmosphere. It gives me just a little bit of a buzz. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even just like going, I was sobbing last year. We had a friend that ran a marathon last year around this time of the year, and I was just sobbing, like crying as the people who we waited at the finish line. And it's just such an emotional experience. It is an emotional experience. I would say there are emotions that come out of the athletes, too. There's something that happens after a long run like that, that you see people just get really... um, either very excited or tearful or maybe they're just tired and they collapse i don't know but (laughs) something is emotional right we don't know what the tears are for but especially the ones like you can tell someone like maybe like just had a lot of doubt so they didn't know that they could finish right or you can tell they were just like struggling to get to that uh finish line at the race and that you yeah they just start like crying when they come around the corner and can see it and it's such an emotional thing and i love when like a parent runs with a kid and you like or like a you know a younger person you can like see them running together because there's always that last little strip at least for the ones i've watched where like the family can like go run with you at the end or something like someone will jump in and i think that's really fun to watch yeah there were there were a few supporters out as well i was in a section of the course that was a little bit quiet but there were a couple of uh, parents and siblings and other friends that were out cheering their their runners on, which was, it's always fun to see. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then you have been working in the mental health field for how long now? 2014. So what is that? Okay. Eight, nine years? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. And then before that, we did, it sounds like you were doing things very similarly to the field, just not as a PA. Before PA school, I worked as what they call a neurodiagnostic tech. So I did neurological studies in hospitals. So that might be EEGs. So for a patient that might have seizures, you put Mm. electrodes on their head and do that sort of thing. And I did a lot of work in the operating room. So you'd monitor if someone was having a spinal surgery, you'd monitor their nerves and make sure there Mm -hmm. wasn't any damage done to the spine. Brain surgery, same kind of thing, make sure damage isn't being done to certain cranial nerves. So those were 
it was actually it was a great job. I really I loved it. It was really interesting and it felt really useful and I just, I loved the job. I I just can't imagine. Well, what led you to go back to PA school? You know, I always liked the medical field and I thought there would be that kind of role for me, sort of beyond doing just the tests, but Mm -hmm. being able to figure out what's going on with a patient and what might be helpful to them. So it's a a broader field for me. And I, I did the neurodiagnostic tech job in order to get the experience in order to go to PA school. Got I it. just ended up doing it for a lot longer than I anticipated. <laughs> I mean, it was like 20 years. <laughs> it was 11, but it was partly because oh, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds very meaningful. Like you said, I mean, we couldn't do those things without people in your job. It was cool. It was yeah. fun. It was That's really awesome. Good. Worked with really good people. And the operating room is a really nice environment because it's such a team-based thing oh, yeah. to do. And I really liked that about the OR. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I really like about what we do, you know, getting to work. Uh, so, Christy and I work for a group practice, which means it's um, there's multi, you know, facets of what we do. It's more holistic health. We've got med providers, and then we also have clinicians present. So, it's fun because, like, I'll have a client that brings something up that I get to run by you, who also sees them in our office and be like, hey, so-and-so has this going on, this going on. Like, do you think they need this? And then Christy gets to be like, yes, but then I also think they need this. So, it's really educational for me. You know, and then being multidisciplinary in the office, we get to learn a lot from each other, which I really like. I really enjoy that, too. And I I will say most of the people I see do participate in therapy, and I appreciate that so much. There's a few that don't. They really just want to take medication, which is fine. But I'm just a huge advocate for therapy. I think you guys help them so much. And try. Therapy in general is just a great So plugs for therapy, y'all. As you can imagine, it's going to come up a lot in today's episode. So like, just get ready for it. Um, Well, Christy, you know, we got to see each other this weekend, yesterday and today. And so y'all, Christy and I were talking about, you know, what do you want to come on here and talk about? What do you want to talk about? Christy's like, well, I've got lots of things I can talk about. But then she came up to me yesterday and she's like, I know what I'm going to talk about. I'm ready for it. And then we went on this Alice in Wonderland scavenger hunt. If you guys haven't done those yet, it was a lot of fun. It took a while and it was really hot where we live yesterday. So being outside wearing clothes meant for November in 80 degree. He was not very fun, but it was a good time. And so I'm really excited for, so Christy, you just like take us where you want to go. Like when I was saying, Christy, I want you to be on this podcast. You're like, okay, I'll like let you know. And now it sounds like you're, you're feeling more ready. Yeah. Yeah. So I am ready and I am very excited to be able to tell the story in somewhat of a, a public forum. So even though it's just me and you, I will sort of start at the beginning. Yeah. So I was I was married at 22 to a man and divorced about 14 years after that and have been single since then. I was single for about 25 years and never really was looking for anybody. I was quite content to be single. And in 2018, I met somebody who turned out to be a really good friend and I had really strong what I thought were friend feelings. Like more platonic. Yeah. yeah. Def- oh, definitely. It yeah. was definitely platonic. But I had these strong feelings and didn't really recognize what they were until later. But this particular friend encouraged me to see a therapist because I was worried about one of my children. So I saw the therapist and continued the, the friendship with this this woman. And over time, it became apparent I, well, I think it became apparent to the therapist quite early. We're really well, good at that. When I, I mentioned the person's, you know, I, I told her about this, this individual and she, she later told me she immediately knew it was more than just friend feelings. Ah. And over the course of time, probably a month or six weeks, I figured out, oh gosh, I think these are romantic feelings I have for this lady. And, one of the things the therapist said to me at one point, I was just describing some of our conversations, and she said, it "Sounds like you're flirting." And were you I, like, "No, I, no"? I guess we were flirting, yeah. but it didn't. It wasn't obvious to me. What was your upbringing like? Like, what? Let me. I'm gonna back to her. I went really far back. Did you see my therapist come out just then? What was your life like? Um, I really more want to say like what. Was that something you welcomed when you realized that? Or was there a part of you that was like, no, 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 no. Like, this can't be a thing. And like, why was that your reaction? That's a great question. So, looking back, I think I had 
crushes on women in the past, but didn't acknowledge it, didn't didn't even necessarily bury it, just didn't even recognize it at all. But there wasn't anything in my childhood or upbringing that made me think that wasn't acceptable or it wasn't okay, yeah. other than the time. I'm now 56 years old, and, you know, 50 years ago, it was not as common. People weren't out, and, you know, it's just been a process. You know, I, I think today, pretty much anybody can, depending on where you are and who your people are that surround There's you. There's more outlets, maybe, or maybe outlets not the right word, but just more opportunities to come out in a safe way than there would have been mm-hmm. Yeah, 50 years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. But no, I, you know, I recognized that I had these feelings for this person and the therapist and I had these discussions and and this person was married at the time and I didn't to a man so I didn't know what her orientation or preferences or feelings might be but the therapist said you know you're gonna there will come a point when you're uncomfortable with the feelings and you're going to feel more comfortable telling her than not yep and so I, well i thought when she said that i thought she was out of her mind there's yeah, no like, point you know i'm going to tell this about yeah <laughs> there's no way i'm going to tell this lady how i feel so another four to six weeks we kept talking about this and sure enough there came a day <laughs> when i thought i have to tell her don't you love like it's such a bittersweet moment. I can imagine as a client when your therapist is right, but I know as a therapist and a client in therapy, which by the way, y'all, good therapists go to therapy. I feel that way too all the time. I'm like, damn, that ther- my therapist was right. And then anytime my client comes and tells me I'm right, I'm like, yeah, you damn right I was right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a hard pill to swallow. But then but then came the dilemma, what am I gonna do about it? I yeah. need to tell her, but what's gonna happen? I well, was, so tell us about your friendship. Like wh- yeah, like sure. what is this like with this person when and then you kinda like come back to like, okay, well now I'm at this point where I have to tell her how I feel. Well, we were we were doing lots of activities together. We had met through some mutual friends, and we, we were still hanging around in the friend groups. And we just did different kinds of activities that we all enjoyed doing together. Yeah. We had lots of conversations, just the, the two of us, she and I. So we were getting closer. Did it feel like there was some emotional alignment? Like you guys just like thought maybe similarly, or you just really like clearly connected even just like as friends in the beginning, you know, I think about my best friends and I'm like, yeah, I could totally say that they're like someone that I would have like, I love them. Right. So was there any of this of this initial like, oh, like this person, we're, we're so much alike or something like that? I don't know that we are so much alike necessarily, but we certainly clicked. Yeah, we clicked very early. It was very easy for us to have conversations. We enjoyed one another's company and we we just spent a lot of time, you know, began spending more and more time together. So that was um, something that just continued to evolve, and the and the regular texts got more frequent, and you know, just kind of throughout any given day, good morning, you know, a simple good morning, and a what's you know happening with you right now? What are you having for lunch? What are you doing? Just keeping up Very with one involved. another. Very involved, yeah. Pretty pretty involved, yeah, and increasingly so, yeah. So I decided that I was going to tell her how I felt, but I didn't know what the reaction would be. Yeah. I thought I may be rejected. I may lose my friend. And that was my biggest worry. We we were probably best friends already by now. And I'm not somebody that really has ever had a best friend or would have called somebody a best friend. I'm more of a, I have a few close friends kind of person. So for me to already feel that she was my best friend was significant for me. But I I was most worried that she was going to say, I can never talk to you again. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid. I was just terrified to have that conversation. But I, I, I can imagine that was scary. I mean, it's so vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Here's, like you said, you have no idea what this person is thinking or feeling internally. And you've never talked about this, right? There's never the like, you know, sometimes if we have like younger clients, we'll be like, go suss it out with someone, right? Like ask them if they think, this sex is hot or something, right? Like, go suss out what's happening for them. But, like, that isn't the same, I think, the older we get. Yeah, I mean, we had some conversations that may have just brushed up against things like that. 
but not really on that deep of a level. Mm-hmm. It was it was more just approaching, well, what you know any old friends would talk about. So we didn't we didn't get that far, but it was you know it was kind of a scheduled chat. I mm-hmm. asked her, hey, I I really need to talk to you. Can we sit down and talk somewhere privately? And she agreed, and I think she had no idea what I was going to tell her. Yeah, I can. All, I would be very curious of like imagining what she thought you were going to say. Yeah, I have no. I to this day I don't know what she thought it might have been. Yeah, I do think when I told her she was shocked. Yeah, yeah. What what was that like for you? That was a. It was a big conversation. I I told her how I was really feeling about her, and she she looked down and she looked away. And I started to cry, and I said, I'm sorry. And she pretty quickly said, there's nothing to be sorry about. Good. And one of the first things she also said was that she had feelings, too. Whoa. Talk about validation, right? You're like, whew. Yeah. Not crazy. Yeah. And it was, again, it was complicated. She wasn't really, she was not available. So... One of the things I said is, I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just telling you how I feel. And she asked a few questions. Um, and, and toward the end of that conversation, she said, well, what do you want to do about it? Which I thought was a bit of an opening, given, given that I just said, I'm not asking you for anything. Yeah. So I think, um, there seemed to be some openings to, a relationship perhaps at some point yeah so we kind of just remained friends after that we became closer and closer and there were there were periods of time when i felt like she was pulling away she didn't want to be too close she didn't want to get closer but we remained friends it didn't mm-hmm. that part did, really didn't it didn't change yeah how do you feel after you told her huge relief yeah huge relief i kept my friend i didn't lose my friend that i was worried about you know the biggest the worst thing that could have happened yeah so massive amounts of relief do you remember going back to your therapist at the time and telling her about it i i i do but there's another piece to the story um before i even saw my therapist again so a couple of days after i told this woman how i felt she well one of the things she said is she said i can't do anything right now i need to i need to process this information and she pretty she pretty quickly called her therapist I bet. and had kind of an emergency visit um so a couple of days later she and i sat down again and had another private conversation where she said you know i basically i'm not available i have these other things i need to be working on and i said i completely understand and I appreciate you having the chat with me, but on the way out the door, she kissed me. A surprise oh. kiss. Yes. Especially when you were sin- sitting there saying, I'm not asking for anything. So I can imagine that was at the bottom of your expectations list. Was shocked by yeah. the kiss. Yeah. Absolutely shocked. Shocked and floored and... Oh, my God. yeah. The, all the emotions at one time. And she just said, I can't. It was mixed messages. Yeah. I yeah. can't be with you, but here's a kiss. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I was happy for the kiss. <laughs> You're like, this one side of me was like, yay, amazing. The other side was like, what the fuck do I do now? It was, yes. Yeah. And we, again, even after the kiss, we were made friends. But your your question about, did I tell my therapist? Uh, it was, yeah, a few days later, I explained to her what happened and just continued talking. And I think she was glad I had the conversation and kind of, congratulated me on the kiss she's like yay let's see what happens yeah you got yeah. a kiss yay. <laughs> so very validating and yet just the beginning just the beginning yes yeah. so after the kiss we went back to being friends we we did at some point have a conversation about that kiss and i wanted to know how it felt for her i wanted to know if she if she liked it and she said that well, it was all right. It didn't didn't rock my world. What? I think she wasn't telling the entire truth. Who says that? But she wanted to know how I felt, too, and I told her it took my breath away. Oh. But, like, I'm sorry, if anyone ever looked at me and was like, how was that kiss? Like, I don't know. I don't think I'd be like, eh, it was okay. I think she was 
afraid. Yeah. She yeah. Was, I'm like, oh, who says that? For a lot of reasons, she was afraid. Now, I mean, I think that makes total sense. It's like a self-preservation, right? Like, a, oh, it was fine. It wasn't like, did you, who brought up if they liked the kiss? You? I think I did. Yeah. I like, were you sort of trying to get at, did you feel something from it? Is that what you were going for? And instead she said it didn't rock my world. And you're like, well, that's really not what I was asking. Yeah. I think it was, you know, I wanted to know if she had feelings. Yeah. I'm not looking for feedback on my technique. Okay. And I'm looking for if you felt anything. Yeah. And I don't think it was, it wasn't that anyway. It wasn't that kind of kiss. It was more of a, she stole a kiss from me and ran out the door kind of kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm with you. But we, um, even after all that, we, we remained friends and, oh gosh, I guess I can jump toward later in the, in the relationship. We, we remained friends and she kept working on her marriage. Mm -hmm. And I thought she will never in a million years leave this marriage. Yeah. So... I went on Bumble. I thought, I'm not going to have this person who I really was just deeply in love with. So I went on Bumble and I thought, well, maybe somebody else I can fall in love with. Yeah. So I found someone that um, was a good match. We had coffee. We had a, this was a female also. We had a, a, a couple of dates. And then a week later, my real love of my life had a conversation with me that she was leaving her Whoa. marriage. I was floored. So like, what's, yeah, what's like the time span of all of this? You tell from the day you tell your best friend, I have romantic feelings for you to when she says I'm potentially leaving my husband. Close to a year. Okay. Okay. So this is like a significant time. Span. It was a significant amount of time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I it, had just it, given up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. And I think I see your perspective of feeling like you'd given up. I almost see it as then you decided to em embrace who you were. Yes. Right. And you were like, okay, well, I maybe can't have the love of my life, but I'm also going to stop denying this part of myself and like go maybe find someone else. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, I don't even know that it's that I wanted to be in a relationship. I just had such strong, those feelings of love that you get that I thought, well, maybe that is possible for me because prior to this, you know, this first woman, I, I really didn't know that I could feel that strongly mm -hmm. about anybody. So, yeah. So I had the, the one week of dating with this person, which was Yay. fun. And then, and then my, you know, my friend said, well, I'm, I'm leaving. And I, I was just shocked. Oh, I bet. I'm sure you're like, I'm sorry. What did you say? Absolutely shocked. Yeah. So during that conversation, I told her, and we had kind of quit talking a little bit. Yeah. Uh, she was pulling away from me again. So I told her, I said, well, I've, since we're sharing big news, I've been seeing somebody for about a week. Well, and then it was her turn to be shocked. Do you think she, she just never expected that from you, it sounds like? She, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, you know, I thought, I, I'm not sure what she thought. Yeah. I, she definitely didn't expect me to be with anybody else. Okay, that's fair. So... It took another couple of weeks of us having some conversations for me to realize I I can't be with this second person. I still have feelings for this other person. Very strong yeah. feelings. And and my sister, who I told you I was so close with, said, you know, you're going to wind up with a complicated mess. And that was really what prompted me to kind of let that for the second lady the know. Bumble, the bumble lady. The bumble lady. Yeah, yeah. that's a good word. To let her know, like, I can't, I, I'm, I'm I shouldn't just get involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then after, after that, we kind of connected. That's when we actually started dating for real. She left her, her marriage and wow. moved out and. That's big. It was enormous. Yeah. I mean, cause we're both in our fifties. How old are we at this stage? I was 52. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, for you, you had, you'd already been out of a marriage for a significant amount of time, really mm -hmm. used to being on your own, used to like, maybe not embracing this full identity, but like you had established yourself away from a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I was single and enjoyed being single. Yep. And, you know, here was, here was this relationship, which would have been significant with anybody. Yeah. 
and being in a relationship with someone of the same gender was really huge. And I didn't tell my family. I wanted to shout it from the mountaintops, but I I couldn't do that because mm. I was afraid of outing her. Mm-hmm. She's still not out to this day. So, um, you know, and at that time I knew she wasn't out. She'd never been with a woman before. And I didn't want to do anything that could even possibly risk anybody finding out about her. So I told no one. Mm, That'd be really lonely. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, I knew I could count on my own family to support me. I knew they wouldn't reject me. I'm very Mm. lucky that way. I knew it would not be a problem at all, but I just couldn't risk for her. And she didn't ask me to keep that secret. I just sort of assumed Mm. she didn't I just didn't want her to be outed. Yeah. All it sounds like people in her circle knew was that she had left a marriage. And I can imagine maybe they just made assumptions of why she had left that marriage. Well, I think it had been in trouble for a long time. Okay. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't have anything to do with with me. There wasn't a total shock to people being like, why are you leaving an amazingly happy marriage? It was just like, oh, it makes sense that Susie's leaving, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, you know, I think it was just a long time coming. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with me at all. It was just the timing just crossed over. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like you said, I don't know that it, I would wonder if it didn't have anything to do with you or if it was like you said, just another catalyst, like adding to this box of matches already building up. And then, you know, it sounds like this individual is probably like, okay, like this is just one more reason to potentially also leave. Like, if I'm having feelings for other people in my life, regardless of sex or gender or whatever, like, I should probably get out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it sounded like the marriage had been kind of flat, and I hate to use the word loveless, but that's, you know, they're, they have to decide what words they want to put on it. But yeah. from the outside looking in, it kind of looked that like a loveless yeah. marriage. And then perhaps I was a catalyst in that she realized she could have strong feelings for someone mm-hmm. again. So maybe, but maybe. but not in a direct kind of way. Like she didn't leave him to then go be with me. me. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, because it sounds like you said y'all were pretty secretive. Pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's been my theme of the season. As I keep using the word pretty for some reason, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. But we 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 dated in. But it appeared from the outside that we were friends. Yeah. Um. At least until later on, and then I had some friends said they recognized it wasn't just friends. Yeah. But they suspected. They didn't know for sure. So, yeah. So, we, let's see. We dated until, I think she got scared. I think she got, I know she got scared. She didn't tell me she got scared, but she got scared. I think she just couldn't be, she just couldn't be gay. She couldn't do it. What do you know about, yeah, her beliefs of being gay? I think her own beliefs are more open-minded. I think she comes from um, family that are not open-minded. Got it. She was very afraid of of being rejected yeah. by her own people. That's so sad. Agree. She, um, yeah, I think she tried and she never told, you know, anybody... Like in, publicly, in her, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. She told her own therapist, but I, but none of her family or closer friends, I don't think. One friend, but that was an outlier. So she finally said to me that she was having a hard time with the relationship. And we were great. We, we didn't argue, which I know people would say that's a red flag, too. Yep. But we, we got along great. We had lots of fun. We kept our own hobbies and our own independence and we also had this relationship where we were companions and friends and yeah. all the things and it sounds really nice she eventually got got out of it she told me she couldn't couldn't do it but we still remained friends how was that i you know i always wanted more i don't think i wanted just a friendship but i was willing to settle for the friendship because i just i just loved her as a friend too yeah yeah like you said y'all were y'all were friends to start you know, so there's like some aspect of being like, well, I really like this person as a person and what they have to offer me as a friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to keep the friendship and I still longed for her in that romantic way, but I, I would take the friend. I would still take the friend today 
if she called and said, hey, can we just have coffee and just be friends, nothing else? I would want more, but I, I would accept just the friendship. Yeah. How long has it been since that ending happened? Uh, it's been two years. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. She, um, so when she ended it with me, it turned out that I was going on a trip to see my family members in Florida. And the timing was going to be such that I would see all of them separately, but right, you know, back to back to back. Mm -hmm. So I saw my, my oldest son, my dad and my youngest son and decided that would be a good time for me to go ahead and just tell them. Which I was a little bit sad that I couldn't tell him while I was in the relationship. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm really happy I'm seeing someone. But it just wasn't that way. But I could tell him, hey, I'm, I'm really happy I was seeing someone. And by the way, I'm gay. So yeah, I managed to do that. That's amazing. And it, and it came out just as, as great as I thought it would. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, it was I mean, you don't have to share each individual reaction, but it sounds like they were all super supportive. Super supportive. Super supportive. They all had a slightly different perspective on on their comments. My dad was very cute. He was like, "Well, how'd you meet?" Oh. <laughs> he was just <laughs> Was adorable. it a meet cute? How do you know? Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, so cute. But so I came out, they were as supportive as I thought they would be, and then I had a conversation with her. And this is, to me, one of the saddest parts of the story. I told her, I I said, I came out to my family, and she got very upset. She said, why would you do that? And that was really the last time she ever spoke to me. Whoa. Yeah. Where, what was that about? I, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if she thought, well, I'm going to be out. Now I'm going to be out to the world, and I'm going to out you too. I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just know that she's... A, I'm pretty sure she's afraid to be out. It sounds like a fear response, right? Like it's mm-hmm. coming from a place of fear because you're like, what do you mean? Why would I do? It's almost like she was worried for you that like, oh, now you've dug yourself this grave. You have to lie in it. And you're like, I'm not afraid of that. And like my family thankfully supports me. I don't need to be afraid of coming out. Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. Some fear of some kind, I, I imagine for her, her own self, mm-hmm. just with her... Um, circumstances in her family and fear of them not or fear of them rejecting her yeah so we haven't spoken since then we we've exchanged a couple of texted texts which i've pretty much pleaded for her to just have a conversation with me she never would i was like a harsh cutoff it's pretty harsh cutoff yeah yeah hurt damn she i sent her a really heartfelt email and spilled my guts got no answer to that either and you know again my brain is you know spinning over here being like it makes me think about um, are you familiar with the did you have you read the red sorry y'all have you ever read the book burnout the unlocking the stress cycle by the nagowski twins no okay it's a great book i would highly recommend anyone listening to this podcast should read it particularly if you identify as a female but uh, in it, there's a section on the bikini industrial complex, which talks about like our societal expectations of women to like look a certain way, and this idea of like the industry behind fueling women who look a certain way to dress a certain way, and then if you don't look that way and fit that mold, that like you shouldn't dress a certain way. So this idea that like if you're in a bigger body, right, you get shamed for wearing bikinis and those sorts of things. So there's an example in the book about how women are conditioned in all most other facets of daily life to encourage each other to do things right like women in professionalism and women in corporations and women in other places like build each other up right they're like hell yeah like go girl like boss bitch like you do these things but then there's something about the bikini industrial complex in the example in the book that i'm gonna take my own spin on it is that like if we see a woman in a bigger body wearing a bikini because our society tells us that is wrong we will then shame that woman for doing that exact thing and it's not because we hate them it's because how dare she break the rules that like we have worked so hard to have to maintain, but we would really prefer not to do that. So I almost like take that. And then if I put that spit on it for what you were just describing, it's like when she's like, why would you do that? It makes me think it's because she does not feel safe to do so. And so it's like, how dare you, Christy, go do the very thing that society has taught us that we are not allowed to do. That's a great way to put it. I haven't 
really even considered that before. But I love that this is why everybody should talk to a therapist, (laughs) whether you're my therapist or just a therapist. Period. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I hear that because that reaction is so visceral. Right. For somebody like, why would you do that? It like sounds like it's coming from this place of internalized conditioning of like, we're not supposed to do that as women. Women are not we're that's not allowed. So why are you doing that? And you're like, what do you mean? It's not fucking allowed. Of course it's allowed. We live in the 21st century. Like, I'm fine. Everything's we're fine. We're good. And then they're like, no, you're not. Things are not good. And then she straight up couldn't talk to you anymore. Yeah. She like ghosted you. I think she ghosted me, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll use that word. She ghosted you. She Do we did. know she's alive? Yes. Okay. She is. Well, uh, yes, she's alive. <laughs> You're like, yes. uh, let me wait. Let me confirm that. Yeah, she's alive. She's alive. And we're not we're not friends and we don't see one another. Yeah, we don't you don't run in the same and, circles anymore, do you? No. Yeah, we do not. But, you know, I, I would hope for her. I still love her. Yeah. I still love her as a friend. I still love her romantically. I would hope for her the freedom that I myself got for from coming out Mm -hmm. so i so i got this tattoo when when she and i were you know early in that process kind of right after that conversation that that first conversation i had with her it says be free and I, i don't even know that i myself knew at the time what be free meant but i know now i got tons of freedom i am who i am you know, I got a lot of freedom when I got sober 24 years ago. I got out of the chains of, of alcoholism. And I got almost as much from coming out. It's just, you know, everybody can take me or leave me. This is who I am. Yeah, I love that so much. I mean, you have already been such an inspiration to be able to work alongside of you. And you are so open and honest about your sobriety journey that I think it's something that we utilize a lot either in like the line of work. And then I also just think about it personally. And I mean, like you said, there's such a hold that alcohol can have on people, period. And so for you to have already experienced such a change there, and then to now find more freedom and actually embracing this other part of you that you didn't even know was there. It Yes, I was 52 when I figured out that I'm not straight. And it was a surprise to me. Um, you know, the funny thing that people say about, well, you know, you're the last one to know. I don't know that it was necessarily the last, last one to know, but there were other people that probably knew. My, yeah. I have a, a grandfather, a late grandfather, who when I was 16 years old, I was dressed probably what people would say is kind of masculine. Sure. And he said, well, Christy, he's kind of an Archie Bunker kind of guy. <laughs> Christy? You ain't one of them lesbians, are you? Lesbians. <laughs> and <The> uh, Lebanese. <laughs> exactly. So I guess he, you know, he may have had an inkling too. I don't know. Yep. He had a small idea. Yeah. You know, and it's funny too, the more, more and more people I've come out to, the more and more women in particular that have said, you know, I've had that, I've had that thought too, or yeah. I find women attractive too. Like it's just so freeing to be, be able to say oh my God, the truth. Yeah. And I think too, like this, we are in this movement of loving friends platonically and honoring that and actually that being much more prioritized and valued and given some importance than I think it used to be, right? I mean, I think friendships were nowhere near as, especially female friendships like back in the day. But I definitely find my friends to be like, you know, I love them dearly. I have no desire to like romantically want to be with any of my friends, but I think they're beautiful and I love them and I support them. And if they want to be with people of the same sex, go, all, I'm all here for that. But, you know, I think we just don't, we don't realize just how close you can be to friends. Like, and just how valuable those relationships are too, particularly of the same sex. I think it's really important for people to have friends, you know, that support you and love you. And it's sad that this person in your life, it sounds like wasn't able to like come to terms with, okay, well, if I can't be with you romantically for whatever my own personal issues with that are, that I have to also lose you as a friend because of what's happening now. Yeah, and I think those are those are kind of some old ideas too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that she said early on was, "Well, if if once you have a romantic relationship, you can never be friends again." And I don't know where that idea came from, but I, I remember thinking at the, even at the time, like, "Who taught you that?" Like, lots of people are friends after they mm-hmm. break up. Yeah. So it just was something she, you know, 
came came to the forefront with or grew up with or something. She had this idea from way back when. Yeah. Well, especially, I think, too, like, if there's some other stereotyped aspect to it, right? Like this, if someone in her life is like, well, now you've crossed over or something. So, like, now you can't go back to being friends with this person if you've admitted that you like them romantically. Yeah. Like, in the context of, you know, being LGBTQ or something like that. Yeah, or anything, I guess. Any yeah. any roman- romantic relationship, I, I think she would have applied that same the same belief. Yeah. I think so. But like you said, I think it's so freeing that one thing that we can be grateful for in the you know, the atmosphere of our country right now politically is that we are able to be able to say, like, I think women are attractive and beautiful. And that doesn't mean that I necessarily want to be with them, but that I'm allowed to have those feelings and also like be identify the way that I identify. It doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah. So where are you now? Like you said, y'all haven't talked. We've she straight up has ghosted us. I'm owning that. She is gone. We know she's alive. You don't run in the same circle. So like, that's it. Yeah. Where I'm at now is from time to time, I think about reaching out in some kind of way and tend to always, well, I've stopped myself for a long time now because I just don't want to be continued. I don't want to continue to be hurt by mm-hmm. a non-response, a non-reaction, a non-communication. So, if I thought there was a good chance that she might respond to a text, I would text and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, can we talk? I would ask for a conversation again. I just don't think there's any chance it'll happen. But where I'm at now, like in terms of where to go with relationship, I'm kind of back to where I was before. I'm really content being single I, I enjoy spending time alone, circling back to, you know, running. I enjoy running alone. A lot of people run in groups. I like being by myself. Yeah. And you like yourself. I do kind of like myself. <laughs> I'm fine with me. <laughs> I like me. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not on Bumble. I'm not, you know, I'm not on any sort of dating app looking for anything i i'm okay y'all hear that you can't find christy she's not interested <laughs> you won't find me <laughs> i kind of always wanted to find a relationship organically anyway and that's how she she just appeared in my life i wasn't looking for her so i so it sounds like you're content I'm very content and then when and if someone does come along in the grocery store or something you might be interested. Maybe. Maybe. It would have to be, you know, it'd have to be pretty powerful like it was with her. Yeah. Or it's like a Durham Bulls game. It's like a magical moment. You like catch the ball. That's me. It could be. <laughs> it could be a thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that you felt like you were in a place that you could share the story, but yet I'm also, it's sad. It's sad in the respect that it, it feels like it, it could have worked out and it should have worked out and we could have had something so great mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. That's the sad piece and it's sad that we're not friends. Mm-hmm. On the on the happy side, I before I met her, a, a couple of things happened. Not only did I meet her, but I had some health problems that sort of got worked out or at least changed. And so physically, I feel a hundred times better than I That's used great. to. So I, my life really changed. And it was a couple of those things happening at the same time. But that's about the same time I really started to run. So I I was a runner from high school, but I didn't run for 25 years. (laughs) So I got back to it. And that's kind of my my big hobby now. So so I'm a whole really a whole different person and kind of half the person I lost 50 pounds in the process. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not very tall. So that's a lot. Yeah, well, I can imagine it felt like a lot to you. Like you said, you feel like a whole new person now. Yeah. So between getting healthier and falling in love, I've had a number of people, including my sister, say to me, wow, the old Christy is back. Mm. You know, like how I was when I was a, a kid, a teenager. And that's been really, it's just nice that people can recognize what a good place I've been in and how mm-hmm. good I feel. And that feeling hasn't gone away because I lost the relationship. I still feel great. That's good. Really happy. That's so good. Very happy. Any words of like wisdom or advice that you live by right now? Oh, gosh. Live in the day. Yeah. Live each moment. 
for what it is. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah. I, I, this is a little sidebar, but my mom died when she was 64. And, uh, that had a really profound effect on me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I sort of was taught that in my recovery programs anyway to live in the day. But when she died so young, it really hit me hard. Like, don't take for granted that I'm going to have a retirement and live to 95 like my grandma did, my mm-hmm. grandpa did. Yeah, because you just never know. Yeah, I love that. And make a lot of dad jokes. Dad jokes. Yes. (laughs) I have no dad jokes. Well, and then you also are obsessed with asking us if we were anybody from the Muppets, who would we be? Yes. Which Muppet are you, Susan? I don't know. (laughs) Who do you think I am? Kermit or Miss Piggy? Ooh, I don't know. I like the sarcasm of Kermit a lot. I feel like I go with him a lot, but Miss Piggy is also really funny. Miss Piggy is all about herself. Yeah. And I like that about her. Yeah. She's so funny. She's unapologetically herself. 100% authentic. Yes. Maybe maybe that's why I like Piggy. She's authentic. Yeah. She's fun. Be who you are. You know, I've come out to, as I told you, my closest family, some close friends. And this finally feels like kind of a public way mm. to just, like, this is the last step, you know? Yeah. I feel really honored that that I get to be a part of that in this way. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've loved it. And please give my love to Gracie. And back to Jazz. She's literally in my lap right now, making lots of grunting sounds. Um, but I look forward to, you know, just continuing to have you as part of my life. And I love working with you. And I love just, I don't know, you're, you're a light that I look forward to all the time. And I always reach out to you for my, I always forget our butternut squash soup recipe. So I need you to always remind me of that. Well, I just want you to teach me how to do the worm. Okay, perfect. I can do that. I don't know. I've never actually successfully taught anyone how to do it, but I I will do my best. (laughs) I appreciate that. I'll try. You'll try. If I break, if you break something, it's not my fault. That'd be a fair trade. Perfect. Worm for a soup recipe. Love it. Sold. Love it. Thank Thank you. you so much, Christy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been Better.pod.